Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? Great. You? I'm doing good, man. I had an awesome workout this morning, and I just like feel like these days, in order to not be a piece of shit, I have to do like 30 minutes of rehab after the workout and just like feeling stretched out and feeling all good. Just like I feel so good afterward. So I'm feeling nice, nice and limber, ready to report a, record a podcast. So yeah, so like, because yeah, because that was your big thing, right? Before you moved, you like, you wanted to start again, but mm-hmm. but you didn't want to join the gym since you knew you were moving. So now yeah. you've you've joined the gym again and... Yeah, yep. I started at the beginning of July. I go three times a week. I'm just trying to get it to four. Um, it's difficult because like, I like doing the gym first thing in the morning. It, it, like seven o'clock is a perfect time for me. I'm able to like, it gives me an evening if I want one. Uh, I can go to bed at a reasonable hour. I can get up at a reasonable hour and it just works with my schedule. But the gym that I go yeah. to uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, they have a regular seven o'clock class, but then, or sorry, on Friday, they don't have a seven o'clock class. They have a six thirty or six o'clock one. And I just like, I can't do it. I, uh, I, I can't do that shit. <laughs> and like Tuesday, Thursday, it's a half an hour earlier. And in my mind, I'm still thinking like, I can't do that. It's too early. So <laughs> seriously, yeah. is this like CrossFit? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's why it has to be a class. Yeah. Plus I love working out in a class. It's nice when there's lots of people together and I find it motivates me right. to, to push a bit harder. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, I think that's why I stuck with judo. It, it's the fact that you're with other people. Mm-hmm. It make, it makes all the difference. Oh yeah. yeah. I, like I like the gym and I've, and I've been disciplined enough to go, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, like you put on your headphones and listen to music or a podcast. So yep. it's not boring, but uh, yeah, doing it with other people, it's awesome. Yeah. It's also like, for me, an awesome accountability uh, component. Like I'm really good at saying, well, I signed up to go, I'm going. I never cheat that. So right. I worked out with a with a personal trainer for years and I showed up every damn time because I, Yousef is going to be there and I have to be there too. So I can't be late. Right. Um, and it worked great. So now I'm starting to see goals awesome. for myself of just like, okay, you know, I'd like to get back some of these movements that I was able to do before. So I need to put in some real focus and figure out, okay, how can I approach this? How much more practice do I need to put in? Because if you want, like before the pandemic, in the before times, I could do muscle ups, I could do all sorts of things. And uh, I can't do them anymore. <laughs> I've lost some strength, but yeah. our bodies are programmable. Like we've, you know, I, I, I've pro- I'm programmed for that strength. I can get it back. I just, just takes work. And class is always focused on different things. We're working a lot of different areas. So I kind of have to stick around after class and work on, uh, work on very specific movements if I want to improve uh, more quickly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of accountability, I saw your tweet there. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> so I, I had hoped I would have gotten, I got a, a bunch of likes, which is cool. Um, but it would have been nice if, if somebody had actually ended up stepping up, but I didn't get any DMS, but yeah, I'm, okay. yeah, really like one of the things that I'm finding or, you know, thinking objectively about the problem I'm having with momentum, um, you know, the, the failure, what do I call that? Yeah. Like the failure situation, the failure loop is things kind of go off the rails with my contracting and I feel this intense, uh, duty to, to work for them. But if I had an interrupt that could, you know, maybe first thing in the morning, if I had a 10 minute call with an accountability partner and they're like, all right, Matt, is your Slack closed? Close your Slack right now. 
like somebody who you owe accountability to, to make sure that you're working on your own stuff. Because apparently being accountable to myself doesn't, I can't do it or it, or it doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I'm looking for like a 10 minute call first thing in the morning of like, all right, are you set up? Is Slack closed? Is this closed? Is anyone talking to you right now? Tell them you have to go away. I'll wait while you do that. And, you know, being able to do the same thing to the other person. Okay. And then like, say what you're going to work on. I don't even and... need to know that I need to go that far. Um, I don't know. And, and I say that be just because um, I'm not a big, when I'm working on my personal projects, I'm not a big planner. I'm like, I have a pretty good idea of what I need to do. Like, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm not, I'm not going to spend the time planning it. Um, so I don't really see a, a need to be like, oh, I'm going to work on this and that and that. Um, I'm, I'm, once I'm in, I'm, I'm in. So it's okay. fine for me. Um, but yeah, it's just having that, like, we're going to set a tone going forward. What does that look like? And making sure that it happens. That's the big one. Making sure that it happens. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure what this looks like. I haven't heard back from anybody. I'm going to ping in the Indie Hackers uh, Worldwide community, Indie Worldwide community, and see if there's anybody who wants to do something like that. And if right. there's not... Yeah, that's a good place. Yeah, and, and if there's not, then I can I can find something. I Maybe I'll call my sister or something. <laughs> my mom. I'll call my mom. Right. Oh, she'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's too but, stressful, you don't have to do it. It's okay. You can always go get a real, you can always get to go get a real job and right, right. The benefits. Take time off. Come, come visit. Yeah, exactly. No, you're not helping mom. <laughs> yeah. So like, how about like a, if something that was fully automated, like a, an email that Get, they get sent to you in the morning. Like that wouldn't be enough. Well, it, it might be. I well, uh, maybe I need to think it through because an email that the failure the failure state is I sit down and I'm overcome by my own anxiety or my own panic. And what I need to I need something to, that says I know you're anxious right now, but you owe it to me. You owe it to yourself to do this thing and. Maybe there's some playing there. Maybe I need to write a little Mac app or something that's like, all right, it's 9.30 or 9 o'clock or whatever. Um, you're going to sit quietly, maybe meditate for two minutes. And you have to do it and say like your, and really that kind of goal setting of your goal is to, to build a product and get to here. The only way you're going to do that is if you work right now. So work right now and facing okay. that choice every day. Maybe it is enough. I, I mean, I've done weird things using that method, like where I, I consider present Mark and future Mark two different people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like fu- like future Mark is an idiot. Like he needs like, <laughs> <laughs> he needs like step-by-step instructions, like yeah. do this, like, like this now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, it's as stupid as creating a recurring event in, in Google Calendar and setting the email notification. So then, and in the description, I write all the steps. Right. And yeah, there's so many habits I've built that way. You know, like, so I write, uh, I mean, now they're just habits I don't have to do anymore, but like, you know, empty your inbox, check your calendar, uh, meditate, or, you know, like have like maybe five things that you want to do every single morning. And I put it in a recurring event and every morning, because I already had the habit of checking my, my phone, right? You already have that habit. Yeah. So then you see the notification of the new email, you click it there in the description, it's telling you exactly what to do. <coughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's just not cheating yourself. It's, yeah. it's I'm going to check this and this is my cue to do the thing. Um, 
because I'm very good at things like that with like my, my life hack and feel free to steal this listener. You know, if you're leaving the house and you need to bring your lunch with you, when you make your lunch, I always make it the night before I put something in my shoe. So because the last thing I do before I leave is I put my shoes on and you feel like it's like a rubber band and it's like, Oh, I feel that rubber band in my shoe. I need to go make my lunch or I need to go put my lunch in my bag. Yeah, Um, exactly. That's it. I just assume future Mark is an idiot. Yep. He's just going to forget his lunch, yep. right? So I'm going to put a rock in his shoe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I do that with everything. I, I put the laundry on. Like I set a reminder on my phone because yeah, I know I'm going to forget mm-hmm. and it's going to stay in the washing machine for like hours and start smelling moldy. Yep. So it's like, no, there's a reminder. And so yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that needs to be the the start that I make first is just like, all right, like set a, set an appointment for whatever it is, 20 minutes. And this 20 minutes is you only focusing on you and, and everything like that. And yeah, again, like having a nice end of day wrap up, that's something I've never done, but I've seen, I see people do it and I think, oh, they're so organized. They're so good at like (laughs) laying out their tomorrow's task and that sort of thing. But just like, because for me, it's, you know, cleaning up my desktop of clothes slack, because that's where the, the anxiety comes from. I don't really get any anxiety emails. So, you know, I'm not so worried about that. But I do have like Chrome profile. So if I have one browser open and it's my work email, everything else, close that browser. Just close it, get it out of the way so that yep. when you come in, there's literally no distractions. So yeah, having better sanitization because yeah, right now I'm just fucking running everywhere. <laughs> I, oh, I get up in the morning and it's a panic. I got to run to the gym and then I got to run to work so I can shower so I can work. And then, oh God, it's somehow seven o'clock. I need to run home so we can eat. And like, I, I, I don't love living life that way. But unless you start cultivating slowness, then you're not really making time for anything other than running from one place to another. So yeah, I think, well, I mean, at least in the last week, my momentum has returned to normal. I've been able to get back to that. Um, but yeah, keeping that, I just want to work on that, preventing that failure condition. Again, that catastrophic failure condition. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Like if you were able to do it this week, then yeah, that's great. There's no reason why you can't continue. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people get so discouraged. Oh my God, I fell off the wagon and it's over. Yeah. Never try again. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting to think about like streaks in that way. I know that that's a, that's a psychology, um, idiom that they talk about like streaks are powerful because they entice you to keep going but they're a double-edged sword in that if you fall off you're like what's the point in even getting back on i've ruined my streak or i'm not able to build a long enough streak that it matters to me like the on-ramp is difficult it's just like when i was playing wordle like Mm -hmm. play every day yeah and then the one day that i missed it it's like fuck it never playing this again yeah exactly (laughs) exactly it's over the streak is over. No, there's no way I'm starting from zero. Mm-hmm. And then your phone just sends you push notifications over and over again to get it to re-engage you. Does it? Uh, I mean, I feel like that's how most apps work. Yeah, but that Wordle wasn't an oh, app. No, it's no. just a yeah. progressive web app, mm-hmm. which is how they all should be for fuck's sake. Stop making native apps for nothing. Yeah, seriously. I need it's access to like your accelerometer. <laughs> well, no, I want to send you push notifications. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I just, I just installed the app for my personal bank account. Okay. J- just because I, I got a, a paper check, <laughs> like a dinosaur. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to cash it in and I knew I could take a picture of it to cash it in. Mm-hmm. So 
first time I've installed it in however years I've had the account. Right. But yeah, like the app is like 60 megs, takes forever to install. Shit. And she's like, and really, that's the only feature that I want is the ability to take a photo of the check. That You don't need a native app for that. No. <laughs> was like, yeah. Fucking banks. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. They're not known for innovation. Banking in Canada is the worst. I would love to start a neo bank in Canada. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. There's so many things I wish we had in Canada. Yeah, so that was really actually. my week. <laughs> oh my God. It, we, our shit is so messed up. Like, we, like, Canada's lovely, but yeah, we, whew, we're, we're struggling. We have, like, I mean, we have what, five banks? And anytime the Challenger banks open, uh, it, they're immediately bought by or they are started by one of the five banks. Like Tangerine is owned by Scotiabank. I don't know if Tangerine was independent at what time, at one time or if they needed to piggyback off of an existing charter. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. My, my joke is I always, I always refer to it as Soviet Canada or Soviet Quebec when, <laughs> when talking with my friend who moved to the U.S. Mm. Like he's been in the U.S. now for decades. And yeah, it's like he'll, he'll, you know, tell me his, his problem or whatever he's, he's doing. And I'm there all back in Soviet Canada. Like, you know, <laughs> we wait in line for eight hours to do that. Exactly. Like, it's just a shame because like my business bank, I'll call them out. I don't care. If you're listening, Bank National, get oh, ready. Yes. You're the worst. Like, I can't even change yeah. my address. I have to go into a branch. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I just, yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. Like, mm, this is so, I have so many feelings. <laughs> just even thinking <laughs> okay, that let's through. Move oh on. my God. Let's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no reason let's to open that can of worms. <laughs> Banking in Canada. It sucks. Yeah, Cause it, at least in the U S now you can, like I worked for a neobank. So like you can just partner with, with, um, these, I think they're called pass through banks and they, um, they hold a banking charter. So they, they take custody of the savings accounts. They handle all the insurance around savings accounts, that kind of thing. And they just expose APIs for all of their stuff. So you build a customer portal, you build all the customer experiences. I believe you also handle customer support. I think support is an add-on that the bank can sell you, but you can handle your own ad. There are admin functions that you can perform and then you partner with a card issuer, if you want to have a credit card or if you want to have a debit card, you, you, you partner with another person. And like, it's amazing how you can kind of bundle these services together to create one bank. I mean, like, I don't know that an indie could do it. It's not necessarily that cheap, but through, you know, through uh, Stripe card issuing, you might be able to issue your own, if you can govern it properly, you can probably issue your own credit right. card. But, but uh, I mean, you say, yeah, an indie hacker can't do it, but there's no technical reason why he can't, Right. Like technology-wise, banks are really not that complicated. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and act, like, I actually looked at doing this, but in Canada there is a rule where um, online purchases. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the name of this thing is, but we have basically an electronic debit card. Um, you need to be able to make purchases with a debit card, and there are these like debit card, credit card, like hybrids that exist. And all banks in Canada have to provide them um, by law, but they're very not known about or not used. So for example, like you can give a, a kid a credit card 
um, but it's linked to a debit card. So it, it's limit is whatever is in the, is whatever's in the account. Right. Um, it, I think it, uh, there are certain types of transactions that you can't make with it. Like some subscriptions will fail. Um, because I think the idea is that like, oh, I, because it has a floating balance and it's not guaranteed by a credit card company, it's guaranteed by the underlying account that they can't do certain like fund confirmations or something. So they say, all right, we reject these types of cards. Like like a good example would be a Visa gift card. You can't use a Visa gift card for certain, uh, for certain, uh, recurring transactions. It'll fail. Hmm. And so it's similar in that way, but yeah, I've seen a couple of, uh, of Canadian startups doing exactly this, taking that card and branding it for kids, for teenagers, for things like that. Okay. Wow. Progress. Yeah. <laughs> we still can't get access to our online transactions, but that's, that's something else. <laughs> yeah. That's actually very interesting. I, the, the rule in Canada. So if you've ever tried to use plaid or any of the um, connect your bank and we'll pull your transactions for you uh, in Canada, like they're, super against the terms of service of every bank. Uh, you can't use it. And it's kind of, you know, exist, existed quietly. Like banks didn't say anything, but they said, you know, technically you shouldn't do this. And security wise, it's awful. Um, you're literally giving your password to, to, um, to these services. And they use like, you know, a headless browser or something to put your credentials in and log in as you and then navigate to the right page and scrape your transactions. It's ugly. Um, But in the uh, advent of two factor auth, this breaks everything because it has, you know, there's some asynchronous job running at some point and then you get notifications that are like, somebody's trying to log in as you. And you're like, yes, that's some fucking random async job that's happening somewhere. Um, So we just don't have open banking. So a law was passed a while ago that said, um, Technically, transaction information is owned by the client. So we like we should be able to own that information. But because everything is not API-ified, we don't get to assert our ownership over it. So the um, so pass, the passing of this law has put has given banks a deadline to have an open banking standard. But it's like a jillion years away. I think I think they said twenty twenty three or maybe even early twenty twenty four, and like. Good luck, Bank Nationale. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. You could give them 20 years and they still wouldn't meet that deadline. So I'll be very interested to see, <laughs> to see how this works. But yeah. Yeah. I know a lot about banking. <laughs> this has not become evident. Too much. Yeah. A little too much. Uh, yeah. How was your week? Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, so like, I think the week before, like I had added... Um, this new feature so that you could sync Airtable data back into Webflow. No, sorry, no, the opposite. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to say, you, you've done that for a while, haven't you? Right. No, so that once, once you've synced stuff to Webflow, mm-hmm. like there's certain things that are generated by Webflow, right. like a slug mm-hmm. or item ID. So it's a way to send them back to Airtable so you could use them with other automations. Or Sure. So um, there was one person in particular that was asking for it. So I contacted them, sent them an email, said, Hey, you know, it, it should, it's working now. But, um, but I had added it to the interface. So like anyone could use it, mm-hmm. but it was sort of hidden. It's like a, it was a collapsed section in where you edit the fields. So like, you know, not many people go back to their workflows and like edit for no reason. Right. So uh-huh. I was keeping it on the down low because I just wanted 
then them to try it out and get some feedback and make sure it's working. Mm-hmm. So they never replied to my email. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, what a waste of time. Like, <laughs> But I, I, I said, I'll just go check if anybody has used it. Mm-hmm. And like, sure enough, like there was like, like, there was like 14 people that had, that had used it without being told about it. Oh, wow. That just, yeah, they just saw it and they activated it and used it and, and nobody reached out to tell me it's not working. Okay. So I was nice. like, okay, so I guess, I guess I should just launch the feature, like announce that the feature is there. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it's, it's funny, right? Like someone asks it specifically, but then like doesn't respond to the email or doesn't actually. My first reflex was, oh, yeah, yet another feature that I implement for a customer that they're not going to use. Right. But no, I was pleasantly surprised that people are using it, including that customer. Okay. They, they ended up using it. Interesting. They just were too busy to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I've been I've been doing like some like deep introspective like uh, goal setting mm. for for myself and for Power Importer. Okay. So so that's. You know, it's like basically like what's the five-year plan for Power Importer, and so that's that's been very productive. Okay, because I sort of like have been really thinking more short-term, like for the past two years. Okay, it was like oh, just make the product as useful as possible, and, and it was growing. So it's like okay, we're on the right path, but no clear vision of yeah, but you know, where am I going in five years with this? Right. So so yeah, I'm not really ready to share what my conclusions were because yeah. they're not fully formed yet. Sure. <laughs> but uh, that's been taking a lot of my time. Like just, yeah, it was long overdue. I needed to like, sit back, look at the big picture and and then from there go back to what should I be doing this month? What should I be doing this week? Right. Are there themes that you can share? Like, are you thinking more about support and like what that looks like? Or is it more like power importer in your life or how big you want it to be? Like, yeah, are there some major themes that are kind of sticking out? Um, I I guess the biggest theme is that I, I I think I'm ready to start building a team. Awesome. Yeah. Like it's, it's always been something I've hesitant to do. Like I've done everything by myself for pretty much my whole indie hacker journey. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's scary, but, but now I think I'm at the point where having put everything in a spreadsheet and (laughs) built some financial models, it's like, there's money there to be spent on a team. Like. I should, I should be spending it. So yeah, I think that's probably what, what's going to come out of this exercise. Very cool. Yeah. But that's been mostly what I was working on. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time on my 60 day challenge, mm-hmm. which will fail in a few weeks. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, that's, it's been, it's been hard sort of like to, to know that, okay, like there's no way I'm going to meet this, this challenge that I gave myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of good excuses. Like, I was sick for a while with COVID and yep. launched it in the summer, which was the worst time to reach out to companies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a bunch of excuses, but sure. uh, still, you still know that, yeah, but you're still going to fail. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, that's fine. Do you have hopes of relaunching it? Is it something you want to continue to do or you're just going to drop it for a while? So like I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I didn't get, I'm not really working two hours a day. I'm not I'm having a hard time even meeting that minimum. Mm. So like, yeah, there's days where I don't do anything on it. But, uh, so now I'm working on the landing page and I have a version that I could probably launch, start testing that. 
So the question is, once you know, once the challenge is over, and do I do I reveal what the idea was and right. like do a retrospect and then start building in public? Because the idea still interests me. Like I still, but I mean, the, the goal now is to have the landing page so that I can get more leads that then I can get on the phone and talk to. Yeah. So I don't I don't don't know if I'll even reach that before the deadline. Right. I think that deadline is the September fifteenth. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, right? Like, sure, there were some things that got in the way, COVID, etc. But um, can you call this idea invalid? I guess that's my yeah that, yeah because that's the point of the exercise, right? Is can I validate and build an idea? So right. can you say that your approach has proved it to be invalid, or that the channel you tried at the time that you tried it didn't work? And is that enough for you to call it invalid? No, that's no. I think that's. I think personally that that's perfectly normal. Like you, you come up with hypotheses. And like one of mine was, oh yeah, I'm gonna cold email people. And, you know, say, hey, you offer product X, but do you do you provide product Y? Mm-hmm. And then when they say no, I say, well, you know, I might have a solution for you to provide product Y. Right. And so, but but I was wrong about the the cold emailing working. So maybe it was just the timing or maybe it was my methodology was horrible. Right. Like maybe my, my copy was bad or mm-hmm. um, my domain authority, like maybe everything landed in spam. Who knows? Like, but so that was wrong, but doesn't mean, doesn't mean you give up. Like you need to, you need to try other channels. Mm-hmm. But I think what's important is that you need to test a few channels until you find one that works. Yeah. If you never find one that works, then. I don't know. Like, I don't care how good the idea is. Like, you know, because once you've built it, you're going to have to have a working channel in order to sell it. Yeah. So I'd rather test the channels first and then find one that I can use. Totally. And use it to talk to people and make the solution even better. Yeah. So I so I think overall, it hasn't been proven to be a, a bad idea. Okay. Just, yeah, that channel did not work. Sure. So that's, uh, I don't need, you need to make a declaration <laughs> what like it's like it was it yeah what why did it fail like who cares yeah that's, move on to the next channel <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah you can stick around and try to hypothesize or you can keep hitting your head against right, it exactly i mean i can i can re- retest it in the fall like yep. okay so if if the reason was because everyone was on vacation well let's retest it do i get a better response rate in the fall right so it's still on the table as i might still try it again yeah, because I was just reminded that your the the challenge was to get a certain amount of MRR by yeah by the end. Okay, so that yeah. that and that was also an hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I set two thousand MRR as the goal mm-hmm. because my very first hypothesis was that this is something I can sell to businesses for like five hundred a month. So really, I just need four paying customers. So that's mm-hmm. why I was so positive about the outcome. Totally. But uh, after talking to one person, I think that's probably not gonna. It's probably not gonna work. This idea of five hundred a month. Okay. But the goal, the goal now is really to get more, to get to talk to more people. I mean, it was the goal all along: is talk to people about this problem, see if I have a solution for them. So that's still the goal. But I'm hoping to reach it with the landing page now, and then, and then, yeah, then I'll then I'll be able after that to decide: is this idea worth pursuing? Because, you know, if people are too price sensitive about it 
or I have to educate people too much about the problem. Um, it's not worth it. Yes. And the other good thing about this goal setting that I've been doing is that it gives me an idea of like what, what success will look like in the next five years. Yes. So like if this doesn't fit that picture, then I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give up on it. Yeah. Move on to the next idea. Yeah. I think that's so, that's so key. Like realizing what does success for me look like? This is something I've been kind of thinking about as well. Just what does success right. look like for me? And does this fit it? And maybe, and if it doesn't, maybe there's more better low hanging fruit out there that, that does fit it. And maybe I should just go with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've seen too many people on in indie hackers groups and Twitter like, that have this idea and they're like, they're grinding every day, like long hours mm-hmm. with little results because they've been told do things that don't scale. Sure. Right. And, and that's true. That's good advice. Do things that don't scale, mm-hmm. but, but like have a long-term vision, like can you keep doing this for three years? Mm-hmm. And if you do with the current results, will you actually reach your financial goals? Sure. Like be honest with yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, do you even know what the time is? Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. And at this rate, with this much effort, like can, can you even reach a significant, significant percentage of the total addressable market? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like that. It, <laughs> it's so similar to like being a teenager and dating and you hear things like, oh, well, relationships take work. And you're like, well, it takes work. And you're like, dude, you're like 17. Break up. Like <laughs> you're, you're 22. <laughs> Break up with them. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. You, you don't really know or understand like what like that's so unconstrained. Like it takes work or do things that don't scale. And it's like, yes, but I'm doing it in service of a thing, a plan, a, a something like. You know, and you say it perfectly, like, you're right. Like, go th- go out and do things that don't scale. What does that look like for you? What do your results look like? Are you going to get twice as good? What if you can't get twice as good? Like, what what will that do to your right, results? Exactly. What will that do to your ability to no longer do things that don't scale or turn that into a process that can? And maybe you need to hire people to do it. Like, And when does that become possible? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, or you have to have an idea, like at least a, a first milestone that, yeah. Okay. It's not the ultimate milestone of like my financial independence, but yeah. at least I got this milestone where I need to reach this much. Um, and at the, with your current activity, like mm-hmm. if it's not clear, like that you're going to reach it in the time that you want to reach it, you got to change stuff up, right? Like change the method or yeah, change the offering. Yeah. This is something that I, I've been thinking about a lot, just in terms of like when I think about you know, even the NFT bot, things like that, I tend to approach idea generation with so much complexity that it feels like I'm doing things wrong. Like it's very interesting to listen to a lot of, uh, you know, my first million is a great example. Like I, I don't want to put too much stock into the things they say because they're so good at um, making everything sound easy. And the reality is it's not easy. It might be, right. it, it might be, things can be, tend to be simple, but that doesn't mean that they're easy. And it's interesting to hear about some of these people that start things that are just very straightforward. Like I, I, the example I keep telling myself is grocery stores. Like people know what apples are and they pay to buy apples <laughs> and it's not rocket science. Like we understand these things. And in, in my mind, I'm like, oh no, but I need some kind of recurring subscription around 
seedless, sometimes seedless apples. Like, I don't know, like I just try to take it and make it so much more convoluted. And it's interesting to talk, to hear people speak about, to, to speak so simply about their business and how they conduct it. Like even power importer. Like I feel like after knowing you and your business for so long, it's like, I feel like I can, I can describe it so simply, but like the process and who needs it and why and what their use cases are. Like I look at it and it's like, man, it is complex. Like there's a lot there. Maybe that's the nature, nature of niches. Maybe it's the nature of just the area, but yeah, I get so hung up on this. It's almost like I'm, you know, it's like that engineering mind of me of like, no, it's got to be more complicated than this because then it can do more. It can be more. It's like, I just want something. I have this thirst for like straightforwardness. And it's like everything I come up with is ends up being complicated. It's like, is there a simpler right. way I can approach this? Or maybe I'm, I'm just not approaching it simply enough. I don't know. I really feel like what makes a huge difference is, is testing the channels mm-hmm. first and talking to people. Like, yeah, I, that, that makes all the difference. Mm. And that's my biggest gripe with my first million. Like I, I love the podcast mm. and I think they're hilarious. They have great energy, <laughs> but, but the ideas they come up with, like, they're usually like, they're, they're huge ideas. Like they're, oh yeah, this could be a billion dollar company. Right. It's like, yeah, but how are you going to get there? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no talk about how much money is it going to take to finance this yeah. and what are the marketing channels you're going to use. It's always just like, yeah, there's a problem. I have a solution. And like, it's easy. Yeah. It's a great idea. Mm. This is a billion dollar business. Yeah. Good fucking luck. Like, what was the latest one I saw? Like, yeah, like someone remixing content for you, right? As oh, a service. yeah, right. Right, so they take your podcast, they they make sound bites and all that. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's a good idea. And it's not, it's not that original. There are people doing it. Like, but uh, how do you get podcasters to know that you exist? <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of spam as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I ignore 99.9% of it. Absolutely. So how do you reach podcasters? Pay ads? You do a different kind of cold outreach? Yeah. You know, it's like, that's that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, you read traction and then you <laughs> you just start picking channels and saying, how can I service this channel? And you try things. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Like I was chatting uh, over the weekend. I was hanging out with some friends who are doing their own things. They're, uh, you know, this guy's a particular teacher in particular is a teacher and he was talking about like, Oh, so like, how do you like find clients for your freelancing or who your clients are for your business? And I was saying to him like, yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't call like my freelancing business, you know, quote unquote business. I wouldn't call it like a business that works. Like to me, like a, <laughs> a like a working, a business that works is one that you have like a repeatable channel. And like, if you have a network of people who need work at all times and you can just DM someone on LinkedIn or send them an email and say, Hey, I'm open for work. Do you need something? That's a business that works like that. That's a business that works for sure. Um, and I was saying like, you know, I don't really have that. I definitely have a network and maybe I could hit it up if there were people who were looking for freelance help. But (laughs) at the same time, like, you know, I, I was thinking, saying to him, like, you know, whenever you decide to start anything, it's always like, define a business that works. It's just a process, a repeatable process. And part of that repeatable process is getting in front of people. And it turns out like, that's the thing that we often have the hardest time with. And it's funny to think like the number of YouTubers or streamers, for example, that like 
they're on a distribution platform and maybe they're not great at monetizing, but they can always sell some merch. And like, that's enough. <laughs> Turns out like the distribution is so powerful that you can sell something that's like kind of unrelated to you. I mean, yeah, merch probably has your name on it and people care about that. But like, you know, at that point, it's the distribution that's giving you that power. You can just kind of put up a flag and, and sell them something and they're down to support you. But yeah, I was trying to explain to a layman about, yeah, about, uh, about distribution and just like, yeah, how important it is. Are you going to do anything special to launch your, um, to, to launch this like sync back uh, feature that you've built? Like a product hunt launch? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, no, I'm just going to change the copy on my landing pages so that, so that people know that it syncs both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I've, I haven't been really emailing my customers. Okay. So I, I mean, I have all the stuff set up. Like I did email a, a subset of my customers when I re- changed my pricing. Okay. So like it's set up and I've used it once. So, <laughs> so I think I want to use it now for at least send one monthly update, like a bit of behind the scene of what I'm working on for Power Importer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that'd be the perfect example of something to talk about in the first issue. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know how consistent I'll be, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I also don't like getting random emails from the products that I sign up for. I mean, yeah, like, right. yeah, like I remember post, a Postman, that API client used to ping me all the time, like, oh, look at all these updates. And I was like, dude, I really don't care. Can I send a post request? Okay. Like, fuck it. Like, it's doing its job. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, imagine if every single product you used, like, had you know, an update, mm. but like there's a few that I use that have an update and I'm, I'm interested because they're also an indie hacker. Uh, so it's like, oh yeah, I get to see a bit like behind the scene. Sure. So I mean, there's a, there's a certain percentage of power importer that are no code founders. Mm. Like they're building businesses with no code. Sure. So they might interest them. Yeah. Fair. Um, the rest are all freelancers and agencies. Maybe they don't give a shit. <laughs> Maybe maybe they do because they're also running a business, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm always scared. You send an email and then like 5% of people will subscribe. <laughs> That's okay. So at that churn rate, you know, within 20 months, like, your mailing list is empty. <laughs> Meh. That's okay. It's it's whatever. Like, I don't know. You're just, you're giving them a chance to learn more about the, to learn more about the, the product and everything else. So they unsubscribe. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like right now I'm watching a Netflix show, which is called Rust to Riches. Okay. And, and it's, it's basically, it's a, it's like a garage that make custom cars for people. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I'm interested in watching it, not because I'm really a car person. Like I don't even own a car, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a business. So it's like, to me, it's just interesting to see like how they think about, you know, like what to build, what should they be working on? What's important for the long-term vision of the business? It's all interesting stuff. Uh, in particular, this show has a bit of a gimmick. Um, it's called Rust to Riches because they're, they're sort of like trying to reproduce that red paperclip, like legend, legendary story there. Yeah. The guy gets a paperclip and trades it for like a pen and trades it for a snow globe and like keeps exchanging it up until they get a house or something like that exactly he's always trades it up like he'll take any trade as long as it's a trade up Mm -hmm. and in the end yeah in the end he i think he he got a home for it right unbelievable so they're a bit the same thing they'll take like a a rust bucket for like a thousand bucks or 
a few hundred bucks mm. and then they upgrade it and then they'll trade it in for another rust bucket but a more expensive one right right so like they they spent a thousand bucks and they'll sell it for like ten thousand sure then they'll but they don't sell it they trade it in for someone that also has maybe a, a classic car but it's all out of it's all rusted but for ten thousand bucks they're willing willing to trade it right and then they'll flip that for trade it for someone else that has something that's worth fifty thousand mm-hmm. and eventually their goal is to flip to sell it for six figures. Okay. So what's what I find interesting is like I was thinking, did people do this with SaaS, right? Like <laughs> or other online businesses where you could do the same thing? You buy something really cheap and then you you upgrade it by I don't know, like improving the marketing, improving the, the product, uh, using all the the tricks that you know that the original owner didn't, exactly. or maybe they just lost interest in the product. Mm-hmm. But basically, you upgrade it and then sell it, and then buy something more expensive with with the proceeds mm-hmm. on microacquire again. Yeah, do the same things, and eventually you end up with like a ten million dollar company. Totally, yeah. I mean, like I, I feel like the taking taking it all comes back to my first million. But the, the, my first million, I can't remember the name of. It. Is it Ramon? Like he, he kind of does that. Like he has expertise in, I guess it's like Facebook ads. So he just goes out and finds businesses and makes like strategic acquisitions where he's like, yep, I, and I think he even, I mean, if I were him, it would be like, all right, I think this business could benefit from running Facebook ads. I will do some tests and figure out if it's worth it. And then if I can convert, then I will, and I will buy the business and then just pump a bunch of money into Facebook ads and then flip it. And like, that makes perfect sense. Just taking your skill set and applying it and then using that to, to flip it. Yeah. To increase value. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few private equity firms that I follow on Twitter because they, they, they release these reports with all their numbers, like all their businesses are open startups. That's wow. so super interesting to know what they bought and how they're growing it. But yeah, it's pretty much the model that they use. They buy something that's, that has proven that they has product market fit and now they just have to grow it right or maybe skim some of the fat off or yeah totally you know, they didn't they, they have a vision of how they can improve it mm-hmm. better than the person who's selling it sure god i can't even make one fucking business work uh, like <laughs> <laughs> god i mean i was just i think it's a neat idea but i don't think it's for me like i'm not <laughs> i'm not a grower right yeah no i mean like I uh, I think there's something to that to the confidence there of or maybe maybe it's confidence. I mean, you're willing to to bet on yourself, um, and I'm sure it's a measured risk. Like I'm sure you're not betting the farm every time you do. I hope you're not betting the farm every time you do this. But yeah, like picking things wisely and playing to your strengths. Yeah, I mean my my daughter is um, is in software engineering at Concordia. Awesome. Yeah, and now she's starting her first working internship okay uh so like you know she was like talking about you know the process of finding the job and all that but when we were chatting about it it was also a bit the same model right like you you get that first internship job uh but eventually you trade it in for a better job yeah totally (laughs) right and you and you do that like maybe five times during your career and at the end you you're making the big bucks exactly yeah yeah how true that is hey so that's really it for me i don't have anything else do you that's about it. Okay, cool. Let's wrap up. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.